Hey guys, welcome to Bagna Broadcast, episode number 379. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, where we gather up the top geek news stories and bring them to you. Next is the list of the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out October 24th, 2018, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A little, little bit more questioning on that one than ever. <laughs> yep. Uh, I forgot to look up the date. It's the Wednesday. Yes. It's the 24th. Okay. You're that right. would be, that would be the Wednesday. Uh, then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week it's time for our sixth part of our great Marvel movie retrospective, where we'll be looking at Marvel's The Avengers, the sixth part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, yeah. So we'll be talking all about that and its impact uh, not just the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but maybe the uh, Ultimate Cinematic Universe across companies. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It was a game changer. This, this was a game changer. Did a, did a lot of stuff that other companies uh, might have tried to capitalize on. <laughs> years and years later. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It's a game changer for us. Uh, when we ter- all turned 21 and we could start drinking alcohol. And, and we that all was started a long time ago. And then we have craft beer for the first time. But I thought when you said birthdays, we were going to wish Chris a happy birthday. It's my birthday. It's Chris's birthday. I'm 36 today. Ooh. I know, right? It's a long time ago. We're getting old. Because I, I, I was talking to my wife uh, today and I went. Oh, what am I going to be, 37? <laughs> I realize that uh, I agree with John Mulaney. I just am gross now. I just feel gross <laughs> all the time. Just sweaty. What is because, do you feel gross because you just drink all the time? Yeah, it's partly, but I'm not going to give away that. Because that actually it helps me forget how gross I feel. Uh, and what's a great way to, a uh, great beer to drink is a sour. Uh, and I'm drinking Jelly King. Here with John, because I'm in studio with John. Hey-o. Doesn't hardly ever happens, you know. Uh, this is from Bellwoods Brewery up in Toronto when I was up there for my anniversary. Of course I was thinking about John as well. And John also requested that you bring beer back for him. Of course. And I'm like, this is what John wants. This is uh, the their pink guava jelly kink. So it's a special limited release. They do basically fruited one every time under the jelly king name. Um, but so if you find it and you like it, buy a bunch of it and drink it quickly because, uh, don't age your sours. You can age some of your sours. Yeah, don't age this one. It says right here, do not age, drink fresh. This is, uh, I don't even know. Uh, oh, 5.6 alcohol, by, uh, by volume. And, uh, it comes in a 500 milliliter bottle. Ooh. Cause you know, metric system. Uh, and it's delicious. The, the, the guava on this uh. is... <laughs> it's just holes right through. Did you just fart, Chris? Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the guava is there. It's uh, delicious. On the nose, it just smells like guava juice. It tastes like guava juice. Uh, absolutely outstanding. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, from Cooperstown Own Brewery Omegang, I am drinking the next part of their game of thrones series of big bottles and this is mother of dragons this is a smoked uh, porter 
and Creek Ale Blend. So Creek, think cherry. So this is a cherry smoked porter blend, and you definitely get that kind of char- cherry right up on the front end of it. Uh, then it really washes out into that smoked porter on the back end. It's not bad. It's 6.6 ABV. It's not my favorite of the Oma Gang Game of Thrones beers that they've put out so far. It's not terrible. I had a lot to drink earlier today, so I just kind of wanted something that I could pick up a bomber of. They could just kind of like drink steady through the show without being pushed over the edge. So I thought this would probably, excuse me, probably be a good uh, choice. It's not bad, not terrible, not great though. Um, I'll definitely be able to drink the rest of this as we're going, but it's it's not my favorite. Well, live vicariously through us there, birthday boy, as we drink some other great sours here. Not a problem. I can do that. I can do anything. It's my birthday. It is your birthday. Uh, and that'll take us over into the news, which is the segment that follows the, the first beer that we have. Because mm-hmm. uh, we, we're swimming in the news right now, right? Oh, like, man. So much Boy, are we ever. Uh, yeah, just uh, some minor stuff. Um, we have uh, the Netflix canceling of Iron Fist, and then a week after that, uh, Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, no more, no season threes for either. No season threes for either. Uh, it doesn't seem like the characters won't pop up in other things. Um, they've also come out to say that they weren't going to do a season two of Defenders. <laughs> and um, a lot of people, when Iron Fist was canceled, they said, you know, maybe they'll cancel Luke Cage and then they'll put out a Heroes for Hire because they've really been teaming up those characters in all of um, in all the episodes. Oh, really? Uh, in Luke Cage, you had um, Misty Knight in there and she was palling around with um, um, the the Asian woman from Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. And Missy Knight had a huge part in um, Iron Fist. So a lot of people think they're just going to put it put them, put them all together and do a new show with all. With Missy Knight, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and... I want to say Deborah Wong. Something Colleen still. Wing. Colleen, Colleen Wing. Wing. She was the best part of Iron Fist. Um, I, I'm, I don't lament the loss of Iron Fist. I still haven't seen season two yet. I've been really bad just about watching pretty much anything TV related recently. While I'm sad to see these go, I still haven't caught up on my Marvel Netflix universe stuff. I haven't watched the new season of Daredevil. I didn't watch the last season of Jessica Jones. I didn't see the last season of... Uh, Luke Cage either, so I'm definitely behind. I still haven't finished Punisher. Like that's the one that kind of broke me when it came to the Netflix stuff, just because it wasn't that it wasn't good. Like I really enjoyed it. It's just so heavy. Like I I needed to take a break, and after I took that break, I just never got back into it. Uh, Have you seen season two of Stranger Things? Oh, that definitely. Yeah. Okay. That I watched. That was fantastic. Then you're good. I I'm hoping these characters aren't gone forever i'd like to see them come back whether it's in a heroes for hire show or what i've also seen online is people saying like oh well maybe they're starting to cut ties with netflix because then they can relaunch these next year when disney launches its own streaming service uh the cynics i I think as long as they exist in some point like that'd be cool if not well we got some really good content out of them. Like Iron Fist might not have been the best show. I've heard the second season was better, but 
I did enjoy Danny over in uh, Defenders. So, you know what? Regardless, when it comes down to it, whoever would have thought we had an Iron Fist or a Luke Cage show that were well done. I mean, you might not have cared for them too much, but you can't argue with the fact that they were handled quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, you know, I don't watch those Netflix Marvel shows. They're a little just too dark for me. A little too <clears throat> too on the side of, like, uh, on the violent side. And uh, I, just... I, th- I think you could probably do Iron Fist. It's not as dark as the rest of them. And the complaints is that he's just complaining about having to run a business, which I would be interested in. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what kind of, you got break-even reports to do? Those are fun. Let's do the break-evens. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't really care either way. Here's for Hire seems like it could be a fun show if it's, you know, if they go for that buddy kind of cop. Yeah. Kind of, you know, superhero-esque thing. But... I'm not interested. I'm just don't, I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Daredevil season three. It just uh, I think Friday it just, oh, it just went popped. up on Netflix. Um, Iron Fist. I thought Iron Fist season two. I thought started up really well, dragged in the middle, and then the final end, like the the teaser mm-hmm. for the season three. I was like, well, why wasn't this the whole show? Now I'm you got me back for season three. Uh, now there's no season three. Mm. Um, but I'm not, I'm not hurt about it. I'm, I'm okay. We got him, and that's all that kind of matters. Yeah, it's not like a shot to the head. No, <laughs> where you have to then change your name and go through, go through it all. Go from uh, Nightwing being called Dick Grayson to Rick Grayson. <laughs> could be for just a story. They could just keep it around who knows with this dc editorial it's yeah i think it this is just way too much dc editorial getting involved and i think it's really time for another a change up at top i think i think dan didio has done some great things for dc and i think he's a great spokesman for the line and everything like that but you know they brought on bob harris after uh, to do the whole new 52 as editor-in-chief and they no, brought no, no bob sorry bob harris was the old guy that was in charge of publishing before publishing. He left, oh he left the company a while ago okay uh, who was the guy that they brought in that was all it was big name in the 90s uh to do become editor-in-chief and they pushed dan Dio up uh, we were talking beforehand um and he was basically brought out of retirement, and they pushed Dan Dio and uh, Jim Lee up to co-publishers. Uh, so, but anyways, they brought that guy in, but you could still feel Dan Dio kind of throughout the DC line with uh, killing off characters. John mentioned it pre-show. <laughs> like he he woke up and realized Wally was back, and he's like, "Up, oh, kill him again!" <laughs> like it just. I, I don't know. I we I just feel like I liked when DC when Andy Dio first came on and he would go to the uh, the comic um, conventions and say, "Hey, no, we need to really tell stories that highlight what makes each of these characters special and uh, who they are." I, I'm going to jump in here now. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, go right uh, ahead. I was because for me, like this is a non-story because I just googled it real quick, and the writer of this arc, Scott Odell who alongside Fabian Nussier is handling this arc, has come out and said, like, 
oh, well, the reason he's going under this is because he was shot in the head and, like, he's suffering from amnesia. So it's basically just he's going by the name of Rick because he has no takeaways from his past. And you'll see why he chose that name going forward. And they haven't said anything about Sicky. So this doesn't seem like an editorial thing. This is more just a story thing. Right. But we'll see how long it's, if it sticks after the storyline, then we know. No, it's, it's not, it's not going to. All right. John says it will. I said it could, it could very possibly with how, how DC's been, I, I just feel like DC's gotten away from everything that we loved about DC books. Mm-hmm. They've gotten so far away from what's made those characters great, and it just doesn't feel like I don't know. It's there's no I don't there's no DC books aside from Mister Miracle that's ending that I'm looking forward to. There's nothing. There's, there's nothing that interests me, and like they're doing they're doing old lady Harley. Yeah, and it's like, well, geez, are you got can you guys copy uh, Marvel anymore? Well, that's why they're doing it. It's a, yeah. It's the, she's the dead. She's Deadpool for DC. No, right now. I know. And even then, like, and she's designed to poke fun at Marvel right now. That's that's her whole. Oh, no, I know, shit. but it just it just doesn't like. There's it's nothing shtick. with DC yeah. that like nothing about these characters. Any of them. Uh, uh, are you still reading Mister Miracle? Yeah, I said that's the only book, and that's ending after issue twelve. Okay. And what's kind of crazy is they can't make up their mind about what they want to do with the characters. They bring Wally back. They kill him. They uh, combined the new uh, Superman, the one introduced by Grant Morrison, you know, the new 52 Superman, and the old Superman from the pre-52. They combined them, and they become the same person. But now that guy's coming back somehow? The original, the new 52 Superman? Yeah. So it's... I don't know. They want to have their post New Fifty Two world and their pre Fifty Two world at the same time, and it just, I, it it just doesn't work that way. It just because it doesn't make any. The characters don't feel special when you're having two different versions of them running around, or I don't know. I just I just don't get it. I don't know what they want, and I don't know as a reader what I should who I should be rooting for. And but that's the thing. I think you hit that nail on the head. They just want the readers to be happy, but the readers want twelve different things at the same time, and there's no way you can make everybody happy. I just want one version. <laughs> then <if they're laughs> yeah, okay, then, but yeah. you say I don't want this to be a huge conversation. But you say you want one version. Well, which version of the character do you want it to be? Because whatever version that is, there's going to be a whole other vocal branch of the internet that's saying like. Well, no, it shouldn't be that character. It should be this one. And no matter which one you put out, you're going to have that subset of fans that's like, well, that's not my Flash. My Flash is going to be Barry Allen. So when they they kill off Wally West again, you have the Wally West fans that are like, you just brought him back. But then you have to be like, well, nobody cared that we just brought him back. It's I don't don't worry or uh, feel envious about anyone at DC Editorial because, like, you're in a terrible, terrible position. Like, you can't make... I don't even want to say everybody happy, because you can't make anybody happy. No matter what you're going to do, people are going to have problems with it. Right, but I don't need my comic books, my monthly comic books, to be having that argument within the pages by bringing the character back, 
then undoing it and then redoing it every you know 18 months like you know it's it's frustrating i'm like okay stay the just stay the course give me one version of the character and stay the course and tell good stories don't get tied up by yeah are we gonna go back maybe pandora's skull maybe she's gonna release and then because that was only 18 months after new 52 they did the whole pandora's box thing where they brought back elements and then 18 months after you know they kind of roll back roll back and it's it gets frustrating when you're constantly feeling like you're on the precipice of a rollback. Well, the, there's no... It, it also just has no stakes. I mean, like like you just said, oh, Nightwing's going to be called Rick. Well, no, he's not. It's going to be for a couple issues, and then it's not. If it's a good story, that's Rogue, fine. But, you know, but, that, but honestly, that's, that's the thing, John, though. Like, you, you brought the story up. Like, for me, there's no emotional... Like beat for him just going by Rick because he doesn't remember who he was as Dick, so he's just going by a different name now. Like that for me, like for me, that's not the big hook of the story. Like when I saw this, I was like, "Oh yeah, he got shot in the head." Like he doesn't remember who he was, so he doesn't want to go by Dick. He's going to go by Rick instead. That's that's all it is. It's just a story to get him through. Oh, now I'm confident in who I am again. I'm going back to being Dick. That's that's all this one is. Yeah. I don't know. I just took it as a way for me to complain about DC editorial and this where DC is what right now. You know, it doesn't take much to set me off on that. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. And I feel better. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. Uh, I don't think we had anything else for news, right? I had nothing. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. Does it? Mm-hmm. So let's wrap up. Let's wrap up those clippings from the news garden. Mm-hmm. Throw them away, and let's go into our books for the list. Paul, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to a Archie book, and this is one of the, the part of their Afterlife with Archie series. And this is a uh, Vampironica uh, issue number four, written by the uh, Smallwoods. You know, Greg and oh, what's his wife's name? I don't have the book. Listed ben Blacker me. and Ben Acker. Acker and Blacker. Acker and Blacker. No, these are the Smallwoods. No, the Smallwoods. Uh, let me get the book. Diane is and it? Curtis. No, it's Greg and Meg. <laughs> they both rhyme. They rhyme as <laughs> they well. Rhyme. And I think they're married. And art by uh, Greg Smallwood. Uh, and this is just a fun... This is the best uh, vamp- Buffy the Vampire book that's out there right now. So read it. <laughs> It's fun. She's, but she's a vampire as well, but she's hunting down the other vampires. So it's like Blade meets Archie. Meets, meets Vampironica. Meets uh, meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's actually, mm. uh, it's one of the more fun books out. They, uh, the Archie series, <laughs> kind of like one of those uh, safe havens for me right now for, in, in the comic book world. You like them. They're fun. Chris, what are you going to be picking up? Uh... I will be picking up Books of Magic number one, and this is coming out from writer Kat Howard with art by Tom Fowler. But something I kind of want to talk about instead of this is something that just came on my radar recently, uh, and this is the Walmart 100-page Giants that they've been coming out with. Uh, this is a collaboration between Walmart and DC Comics, where every week they're actually releasing a 100-page giant comic book for $5. 
And each week it's a different kind of like title, I want to say. <clears throat> they're anthology Motif? books. No, um, it just, they're, no, they're anthology books where you'll have Superman Giant, Batman Giant, Teen Titans Giant, or Justice League Giant. Uh, each one has 12 pages of all-new story written by a DC superstar with art by another superstar, and then uh, three more issues of kind of backup reprint material. Hmm. Uh, The one that I just bought was actually Superman Giant, and this was number three, that included a 12-page story from writer Tom King, art by Andy Cooper. And then the the backups in it were the Superman Batman by Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis, a... uh, Oh my gosh! The third issue of the Terrifics, <laughs> the, the, well, the Jeff Lemire series that just started uh-huh. out, and then uh, Green Lantern number three by Jeff Johns and Ivan. Re- so, some pretty big material that they've released previously, uh, and then actually like a brand new book also. And each one of these books that they're coming out with is all like the kind of like lead material on it is a top tier creator telling a brand new story that you can only get in this book. Uh, if you pick up Batman, you'll actually be getting Batman written by Brian Michael Bendis. And I don't know who's doing the art on that one offhand. Um, so I don't have that in front of me, but for five bucks, I think this is really cool. If I hadn't read that Jeff Johns Green Lantern story and the Jeff Lowe Superman Batman story, when they were originally published back in like 2008, uh, I think it would have been really cool. But I just think it's an awesome way to get comics into the hands yeah. of fans. Like, it's only $5. Yeah. There's the ads that you see in the book are just for other DC comics. So it's like, hey, pick up our collection of Batman trade paperbacks. Then after you flip through and you read the Green Lantern book, it's like, oh, read our Green Lantern trade paperbacks. There's no, like, hubbub, like, advertisements in the back for milk or taffy. I don't know what's in comic books anymore. Uh, milk and taffy ads. That's, milk that's and taffy what it is. Ads. That's, Maybe I, I'm assuming that's it. But for $5, it's on a lesser quality paper. It's a step up from like the newsprint that we had in the like essential books that were coming out, like those 80-page giants that they had. Okay. I'd say it's pretty close to the original comic books that we started reading you know, back in the '90s, before they made the jump to all the all glossy pages. Uh, but for five bucks, this is definitely something I'm looking forward to picking up the rest of them because I I don't mind paying five dollars for an all new Superman or Batman story by a top tier creator that I can only read in this book until they decide to release as a trade, maybe like next year. Yeah, and you said uh, it was issue three of basically the Terrifics, the Scott Loeb, uh, World's Greatest, and the Green Lantern. So, and this was issue yeah. three of so this was issue was... three of the Superman because each week you have a different one. So, like, it starts off with you know Batman number one, then Superman number one, then the next week was Teen Titans, then the week after that uh, Justice League. So each week you go to Walmart, you can get a different anthology book. Right. So if you picked up Superman number four, you're expecting to get the Terrifics issue four, yeah, World's Finest issue four. Okay. And that's how they're doing it. And they kind of, they treat them like you're just buying this book off of a spinner rack. Yeah, because there's like a little paragraph at the beginning that's like, 
last time we saw Superman and Batman facing Lex Luthor and Bizarro. Like, it, it treats it like you would kind of want the comic book for the beginner mm-hmm. to know. And then it's like, here, That's here you huge. go. Because DC does not do the recap page in their in their comics normally, uh, and just because I'm on the page right now for it, uh, in the Teen Titans book they have a Teen Titans story by Dan Jurgens with Scott Eaton, uh, and the backups for it are the Super Sons book by Pete Tomasi and um, Jorge Jimenez, the Sideways book that's been coming out, and then they have the Teen Titans from Jeff Johns and Mike McCone. In Batman, we're getting the Batman story from um, Brian Michael Bendis with Pat uh, Zercher. Uh, also, backups from Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, so it's the Hush Arc, the mm-hmm. New 52 Nightwing, and then also they're uh, delivering the Harley Quinn from Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor in the back. Right from the get-go. Okay. So the 2011 uh, Justice League has... Justice League story with backup from the Justice League number one from Jeff Johns from the New 52, the Flash uh, from the New 52, Aquaman from the New 52, and then there's also side stories that looks like just random reprints because there's uh, like a Wonder Woman story and then in a, another Harley Quinn story. But yeah, five <laughs> bucks. 100 pages. It's, and it's good comics. That's Besides the terrifics. And I like, you know, ever, all comic book reader, writers right now, if you ever hear an interview with them and people ask, well, what was your first comic book that you remember buying? And all of them, like, eventually, you know, say it was off a spinner rack, like on a family vacation. Like they just stopped at a drugstore and were bored. So they bought. So if we can get back to that a little bit and pick up new readers, because honestly, comic book industry needs a lot of new readers. They can't just depend on us. 38-year-olds or 30, you know. <laughs> we're not that old. I'm 36. Oh, you turned 36 today. I thought you were, we were older. Uh, you know. Uh, you it's know, you, Pops. 35-year-olds. And, and the youngest. Uh, Sidebar to this conversation, too, because when I was just doing some quick research on it, it also appears like people have been going in and then just buying up every issue they can find. Oh. Because you do have those one-off stories that aren't being reprinted in like the regular monthly DC books. So people at comic book stores are buying them and then selling them at their home stores for like 300% the price because it's like, well, if you want to read Tom King's Superman, you can't go to Walmart to get it because I'm selling it here for $20. I understand that they're probably struggling. Maybe. Probably. But they keep everybody keeps on saying digital isn't that big still. It's not. It's really not cap, carb, uh, cannibalizing the store sales. They're saying it's like having a really. It's like makes it as much sales as like Midtown Comics makes. You know, so a really large comic book store, but just one. You know, so it's not killing the. They're saying it's not killing the comic book local industry. But how could it not? You would think it would, but I don't know. It just seems gross that they would be doing that. It reminds me of the 90s when they would, when, you know, the places that would sell comics were baseball and collectible card shops. Yeah. And they would, oh, this one comes with a top flare uh, card in it. This one's getting, it's $12. And they would put it in a bag and charge it for, charge you $12 for it. Oh, this is a foil cover, 20 This is a blob, and damn it if we're not getting 
foil covers again for some stupid reason. Are, are you buying a book that costs twelve dollars, Paul? No, I'm buying it digitally, and it's costing me four dollars because it's the same price. And I'm buying a book from Image Comics, and it's a uh, it's one that came out back in the beginning of September. It's only going to be a dollar ninety nine for me. And this is Cemetery Beach number one, uh, as I said, from Image Comics, written by Warren Ellis, and art by Jason Howard. And this is a uh, off world. An off, off-world prison planet kind of a thing where a uh, professional pathfinder and a uh, disaffected young murderess break out of a torture cell and are running across this world that was uh, established 100 years ago and is filled with generations of lunatics. Uh, this seems like it's going to be a fun book. Uh, the couple preview pages they had on... Um, uh, of it seemed fun um, kind of for some reason it makes me think of Romancing the Stone I don't know why It's I'm, I'm pulling a Paul here the premise for some reason makes me think of something that I really like so I'm going to read it thinking that it's like the thing I like then be upset that it is not like the thing because I'm putting this on there uh, so I'm looking forward to that Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone. Michael Douglas and what's her name? Kathleen Turner. And at the time. At the time. At the time. Uh, but that'll take us into Paul and I's next beer. Oh, yeah, we got another beer to talk about. And this is uh, also from Bellwoods Brewery up in Toronto. This is a little heavier, though. This is 8.5% alcohol by volume. This is their barrel-aged dark sour ale. So we had the regular sour, the Jilly King. And this is their donkey venom from 2018. <laughs> Wait, what? This is the one that you could age. You could age it. It's called donkey venom, Chris. And it, there's, a, there's a snake with a donkey head on top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really good. It's not overly tart or sour it's got the 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 darkness of this beer is just really exceptional it's so well balanced um gives me a little bit of that tart there's a little the tart end, there at the end after yeah taste. uh but it's not overpowering it's not like super acidic mm-hmm. it's just got that little tart extremely good drinking mm-hmm. Easy drinking, fantastic. You can take big gulps, and it's and it's kind of scary at eight point five percent. So yeah, I've been trying to take it slow, but we have one more beer that I'm very excited about trying uh, from Indie Ale House, and uh, so I might give the rest of this to John to drink because I got to drive home. I'm at home, and John's at home, so I'm going to do that. In fact, so I can really enjoy the next one. Uh, and that should bring us into something that we uh, do all the time, right? Yeah. A dramatic reading. It's not loading on my I'll f- pass you my phone. Okay. And now, a dramatic reading from Vampironica, issue three, page six, panel three. Check the basement. Vampires prefer the dark. Dry environments. Over. And that was a dramatic reading from Vampironica. Issue three, panel six, or page six, panel three. That was a quick one. You guys ready for your third theory? <laughs> Almost. We'll talk about we'll talk about our uh, 
get into the their main topic. Because come on, this was a game changer. This was a game changer, uh, not just for the cinematic world, but also for the uh, big broadcast. Not not the show itself, but us because. I think this is the Marvel movie that I saw the most in the theaters. And this with is me. <laughs> with John, most likely, too. Uh, this is Marvel's The Avengers. And this came out in 2012, guys, so six years ago. Uh, this was directed by Joss Whedon. And basically, all of your favorites from the previous Marvel movies uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, uh, Jerry Renner from his blink or go to get popcorn or the bathroom and you'll miss it <laughs> appearance as Hawkeye in Thor, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Nick Fury as uh, Nick Fury. Oh my gosh. I just, I just equated Sam Jackson to Nick Sam Fury. Yeah. Uh, Sam Jackson is Nick Fury. Uh, they all came back, guys. For Goldie Smulders first... is Melissa Hill. Introducing. Well, nobody was really looking forward to her coming back. But if you're a big How I Met Your Mother fan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill. And then Clark Gregg as Phil Coulson. All coming back together for the first ever big crossover movie in history. Because up until Avengers, nobody had really done anything where you have characters or actors that have appeared in different films come together to cross over besides maybe Abbott and Costello with the Wolfman. Right. And all the, wait, did Freddy versus Jason already come out before, before Avengers or was that after Avengers? I think that's before. Cause that's yeah, the only that, ones that, that I can think of before, but like, I know aliens versus predator came out before. Even at that time though, like that's just, not a big crossover because it's just that, yeah, and that is taking that's taking IPs that already like exist. With Marvel, it was actually these movies were made with they were the being intent. made with the intent of bringing all these characters. All right, that's that's that, right. that's what I think. There is a difference. Yeah, there is, but I'm just saying it is a huge crossover, and it is a uh, it, it changed the landscape. Because, I mean, also at that time, too, those movies were just made like, uh, people like killers, uh, put two killers in a movie. Mm-hmm. This is like the first actually built universe. Everything that you had seen before for the four years leading up to this led to this point. We were finally getting all these superheroes together in, in one movie. And I think it ultimately... It, it worked. It worked better than it probably ever could have. And I think in retrospect and seeing what other companies have tried to do in the wake of this, we couldn't see how it very much could have gone with stuff over at DC or Universal with their dark universe featuring all the, the monsters. It's really hard to do this. And I think the fact that Marvel took that time and they had just the team of people behind it that they did. Mm-hmm. We got something that worked. There is something to be said, I think, for that team behind the scenes uh, that makes it work because it it really does come across that all the actors that are in these Marvel films have fun being in these Marvel films. 
part of the reason I think Dark Universe didn't work is because nobody enjoyed being in those movies. You saying Benicio del Toro didn't like being the Wolfman? <laughs> like, I didn't even see that movie. I don't know. Nobody, should... you know, it just seems like they all signed on, and it's like I know Mar. This was like, this was a moonshot for them. Like they didn't think, hey, we're gonna set it up. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. In our, you know, when they first set it up in Iron Man. And then Incredible Hulk comes out, and everybody's like, ah, maybe it won't happen. <laughs> and then, you know, they, it keeps on going, and they keep the ball rolling with Thor. It gets a little better, and they keep on, you know, getting there. And they got there, and it actually worked. I was coming in being like, it's worth the price of admission to see this all fall apart if it all falls apart. Because the big movies that we had before that was, like, X3, where the movie franchise just got too big for its own britches. They tried to tell too big of a story, tried to give everybody their hero moments, and it just all falls apart. And in here, Joss Whedon is able to, you know, do the character mode. He's, he's, able, able, to work, he's able to work the team. He's able to work the team. He's able to just find serenity with this. I think that's important, too, because while he had work on stuff like was it Aliens 3 and Roseanne before? He also worked on Toy Story and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Firefly. So it's those ensemble pieces that he came into. And it's like, okay, well, you need to have everyone have their own stories that serves the bigger story. And rewatching this movie, I haven't rewatched it recently. Uh, it was within the last month that I did because I ran out of time yesterday. Uh, when I originally wanted to. You do have a lot of different plot threads that are interwoven together that do lead into this big battle of New York. And all of them do work really well on their own still. Well, John and I just watched it today. Uh, We didn't watch it together. We just happened to find the time today to watch it. Uh, They kind of, you know, he kind of gets away with... uh, just kind of running off Hawkeye for like two thirds of the movie. That's that's the biggest complaint I have about this movie is uh, the Hawkeye stuff. But it's Jeremy Renner, so you know him playing just a stiff guy that has no lines. Maybe for the best. <laughs> uh, I I if, like him in. If you look back on his filmography, where he plays the sweet talking, fast talking uh, senior in National Lampoon's Senior Trip, he does that very well. He does have charisma. Oh, uh, he does. I've never, <laughs> never seen him have charisma either. Uh, well, he does. I, he, I, I, I would say he does even have charisma in in Avengers after he kind of gets snapped out of it by Black Widow. Like he In the last, like, third of that movie, like, you're, you're pulling for him. Yeah, I mean, you you introduce the character, you have, he's definitely a minor character. Mm -hmm. Even in the comic books, Hawkeye's a minor character. And Hawkeye does do a lot of good when he is back with the fight for New York. He's there, he's doing everything that, everything he can. Not out of Arrowhead, so. No. He loves Uh, that taffy. The mystery flavor. um, But I think, I think for what... For the character that he is, he's doing exactly what he should be doing. Uh, so I don't think, like, to say, like, uh, he's a waste. He's mind-controlled. He's the person that 
he's the reason everything's getting set up on Loki's side. Right. He's the guy who's breaking in. He's the guy who's taking down the taking down the helicarrier and escape, you know, pretty much getting uh, Loki to escape, even he's, though he's captured in it. He's not he's, a character, though. He's just the, the, a plot point. Yeah. He's he, a plot he's, point, but he's still able to accomplish stuff to show his worth in those moments. So like John said, where he's, mm-hmm. he's shooting an arrow at the helicarrier and taking up one of the engines. And he does, yeah, but he also does that. It's this, this sweet move where, like, the plane's going and he pulls back the arrow and then he goes, like, he just turns, like, halfway around and then fires it to go in. Mm-hmm. Or when they're going to go collect that eye and they're talking about, oh, the, the Tesseract has shown me so much. And Loki's like, what has it shown you, uh, Clint? And he goes, my next target. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got cool he's got cool moments or cool beats. Yeah. Yes, he's a plot point through it. Yeah. He, he's Scarlet Witches, or not Scarlet Witches, but Scarlet Johansson's Black Widow's plot point, like she's there, and you're, you're getting her um, humanization because she cares about saving Clint. Because she's just this really cool intro to her character, though, in this movie, even though she shows up in Iron Man too. But what her reverse interrogation scene? Yeah, <laughs> it's just fun. This idiot's telling me everything I want to know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not telling her anything. And I love Clark, uh, Agent Casper. Not Agent Casper. Casper's, uh, yeah, the other one. He's no, Agent Casper is his name on West Wing. He's Agent Casper on West Wing. Uh, Clark. Clark. Colson. Agent Colson. You know, he's just on the phone, just waiting. <laughs> like, no, I got, I got Iron Man. You got the big guy. Yeah. Uh, no, this it, the movie's got great things, and I think ultimately it's it's gonna go down. Yes, there's gonna be better Marvel movies, hands down there are. But this is the Marvel movie at that time, and for a couple years after that, like Chris said, him and I saw it in the theater three times. Mm-hmm. We went when it was released. I think another week later. We were, I think the three of us went to Pizza Plant, had dinner, had a couple beers, and then it was that, hey, I think uh, I think we can catch a showing of Avengers. <laughs> and I think Paul hemmed and hawed and be like, well, I'd get home around this time. And we we're like, ah, go home, Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Chris and I went and saw it. And then, I should have went and just left 30 minutes before the show <laughs> ends because, you know, it's just that ridiculously long fight scene. Oh, and God, then, I, I want to yell at you. But continue, John. And then Chris and I, I think it was like a month after it had come out, mm-hmm. Chris and I went, we grabbed comic books, we had the day off at the, you know, together, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, I don't know, what do you want to do? Do you want to see if we, if we can go see Avengers? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, okay. And we sat in a parking lot for an hour <laughs> reading our comic books that we just bought, uh-huh. and then went in to go see the Avengers. Like, it was just a... That's a great thing. It was just a thing that we did. And then I think we went to Pizza Plant. We did. <laughs> we probably met you afterwards. <laughs> but it was just like, it was it was that thing that, yeah, no, let's, definitely, let's go see it again. And I can't say that with all of the movies that mm-hmm. I've been, like, diehard. Yeah, let's go see it a, a month again after it's, it's, it's aired. It not falling apart and being a bit, like, it had the deck stacked against it. Oh, absolutely. It, it being a decent movie made it seem like one of the best movies ever when it first came out. 
now we're watching it, I'm like, eh, I, I kind of even see more flaws. It's not as, it's, it's not as good as like some of the other Marvel movies that have come out after it. No, I, I would, I would say it is the, I, I, I think out of I've... out of four Avenger movies, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm counting Civil War. It would be the third best one, but I think uh, Age of Ultron is definitely worse than this. Okay. Um, But I think there's parts of Age of Ultron character beat-wise that I like a lot more than the character. There are some good character beats in here, but I enjoy the characterizations a lot more in Age of Ultron. But this movie's more fun. Like, this movie, I think, is more fun. I think Age of Ultron gets bogged down with... Well, we're not too much Ultron stuff, right. but I think this is definitely. But I, I think both of these movies need to be served by what they're doing because, yes, Age of Ultron is the sequel to Avengers, but they also had like three or four more Marvel movies yeah. come out in between that. And for this one, like we already had those character beat stories leading up to it, or now you get a little bit more character, but they're all working in this story. While in Avengers Age of Ultron, it's more characters, and then the story is just kind of like not tacked onto it. But the overarching story for it was just kind of there, but it serves the characters better. I think this is, I think. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say what my thought was because it's talking more about Age of Ultron, and okay. we're talking about yeah Avengers. Uh, I probably haven't watched Avengers. I'd say maybe four or five years, oh. and when I sat down to rewatch it, I was there, loved every minute of it. Wow. I still was like, yo, yeah. No, this is such a good movie. This is great. Oh, it, and it moves to me. It moves like a clip. It it, it just mm-hmm. keeps moving. It doesn't have really any slow parts. And I still really loved, really loved this movie. And uh, I know, I think probably five years ago when I rewatched it before, I, st- I saw a lot more of the, the flaws. Oh, Tony Stark's thing's not lit up uh, in this scene or, oh, this yeah. is little this. But rewatching it now, I just had a good time with it, you know? And I don't think we've had better movies since then, so I don't think I was judging it at at any at anything. I just sat down to watch a good movie on a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I woke up, we turned the TV on, my wife and I watched um, a couple internet shows that we like to watch, we went and made breakfast, and then while we ate breakfast, we started the movie. And we watched that. I had a cup of coffee. My wife fell asleep on the couch only because she's super pregnant. And she's <laughs> like, I'm tired and, and fell asleep. But I, I sat there and just loved every minute drinking my coffee, watching Avengers. And I think it, it's definitely a movie that holds up. It holds up today. Mm-hmm. It'll hold up when we got a new Captain America and a new Iron Man, you know, four years from now. You know, who knows where it's going to be. But I think it's definitely a movie that will hold up. My biggest complaints are the Hawkeye stuff, like, right from the get-go. I don't know why they had to introduce the character and then have him as a turncoat for, like, the first half of it before they're like, okay, he's better now. Now look at all the cool stuff he can do for the good guys. And 
the beginning of it's just kind of dumb, where it's like, Loki appears, and it's like, okay, you're mine, you're mine. The merp sound is me tapping the the mind stone against people and stealing their minds. Stealing their essences, so now they work for me. Uh, So much of that's just, okay, let's get these characters where they need to be, but that's only, like, within the first 15 minutes of the film. And I think, like, after that point, right when you have Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man kind of all have their big meetup, we're going to fight, oh, no, wait, we all have the same goals. Because it, yeah. reads, it reads so much, I, even right there, I said it reads like a, a comic book. Yeah. But that's that's what we know and expect from our big comic book crossovers. We're like, oh, we're going to have these heroes here. They're going to fight. And they come together to face the bigger threat. It happens here. And it's done in just such like a kitschy, fun way. And I think it's because of these characters and the way that we've seen them portrayed in the movies leading up to it that it doesn't seem as crazy out there. Like There's so many fun moments for these characters in here that none of it does seem outside the box. None of it's like too crazy or out of tone. And I think that's a lot to the credit of Joss Whedon because he's good at telling those weird kind of kitschy stories where it's like, well, no, like you can have Captain America being like, I get that reference. And that's the the, uh, gift that I sent you guys the other day. You can have playing Galaga. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing Galaga. Does he knows we did so much? Like it undercuts everything, but it still all works in the same film. And, so much could have gone wrong with this movie, but it didn't. And it made like a billion and a half dollars at the <laughs> box office to show that not only is there a market for this, because yeah, like people want to go see superhero movies. Up until now, like, yes, we knew that this, all of these movies had done pretty well. But at the time of the release of this movie, it was like, yes, Marvel and Disney will take all of your money. Thank you. It it works so well, and you can see the groundwork leading up to it. And it, it really didn't come so much as a surprise. But then when you hear them talk about it, like, oh, well, we didn't know if it worked. It's like, if you look at the pieces, it definitely had the, ground, uh, the groundwork there. You had the foundation, but it all came down to this movie for the execution that gave credence to everything that's come after for the last... You know, six years. Like everything, I think, really hinged on this movie. And, and uh, let's get, well, let's get in the beer, and then I want to talk about Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's talk about Mark, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so we are drinking from Indial House, one of my favorite breweries, a brewery that I introduced you clowns to uh, from Toronto. We are drinking from their Fates and Furies. Sour line. We are drinking Grendel's Revenge, and this is a uh, sour beer aged on blueberries and cherries. Mm-hmm. And this is a blend of one through three year old sour beer that have been aged in port and madrina barrels Ooh. with their house 
uh, wild yeast strain. A and this is a shake. complex, deep, with rich tobacco, earthy notes, balanced with lactic acid, sweet and sour, lingering finish. Um, this definitely, after having the two sours before this, this is definitely, I would have to say, the more complex. Mm-hmm. The other ones are kind of a one-note one yeah. kind of a beer, and they deliver and they're really good. This took me a little bit of getting into but I'm loving it now. Yeah, uh, the flavors are there. It's really amazing. I'm not getting the tobacco. I do get a rich a richness on it, a rich earthy kindness, but not it's got a great nose too. But and I don't get much blueberry. I get a lot of cherry tartness. Um, but maybe I just need to keep on taking another pull from it. I think um, the cherry and the blueberry tart are are melding together. I think you get more of a blueberry tart mouthfeel, but you definitely get the tart cherry flavor. Flavor. Okay. But, um, man, it's just, it's a really... And I think the tobacco's on the back. Um, yeah, well, okay, okay. Now It's now, right there right now. Yeah. Now that I'm, you know, like I said, I just have to keep on... It's one of those beers where you take the first sip and you're like, I don't know what they feel about it. Second sip, all right, it's getting a little better. And then it takes you, like, halfway through by the time... You're halfway done with your your glass, and it's like, oh, now I understand this beer. Now we're talking the same language. Uh, and it's this like is... my babblefish wasn't quite working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took it took it. It definitely took a couple turns, and I think half of it is having two sours before it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, this is kind of fun. Great. It's in a it's in a seven fifty milliliter bottle, which is like most um, most bomber bottles are seven fifties. But it's a real squat and wide one. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like um, like one of the tequila bottles that uh, from Pirates of the Caribbean or uh, rum, or rum a, bottles. You a, mean? Or a, yeah, or a cognac, like a cognac oh, yeah. bottle. Like it's kind of a fun um, bottle. Fun I would anytime. Yeah, just like me. Uh, anytime I was in Toronto and I saw that they had one of these, I would pick it up. Yeah. I would. I would think about aging it, but I think I'd also be like, "Yeah, let's drink it now." Drink it now. Um, it's fine. What's it? What's it going to pick up? Oh, I know. Well, with those wild yeasts in it, it can it'll it just, evolve. It'll oh. it'll keep changing. So it could change for the better. It could change for the worse. Okay. Well, yeast will. What What's it going to consume? Yeast is going to consume the alcohol to keep living the wild yeast strain. But what What's it breathing? doesn't need oxygen like it's a living organism for it to keep going and multiplying well like it's like the um the bretomitis uh enjoy after uh that we have down there mm-hmm. it's a it's wild yeast in there it's just gonna keep going it, okay, but and there evolving. is drop that point yeah but it's not for a long time oh, okay they can survive that long yeah that's that's what i'm asking yeah i'm like how long can they survive? they can like, they, it can survive as long as it's got the ability to keep like it's changing the, the sugars until it just it hits a point. Um, when Caitlin and I were in Belgium, I had a, <laughs> I think it was like a twenty nine year old bottle of lambic, and it, we poured it out, and at the bottom I poured out all the yeast at the end, and they were dead. You could tell they were dead. There was just like it looked like black grains of sand in the bottom of mm-hmm. your glass. Yeah, they didn't last. They didn't last thirty years, uh, but you know, five, ten, 
years in the bottle, you can have that. We had a 10-year-old bottle of uh, a Cantillon at the brewery Cantillon, and the beer was phenomenal. And we had the same beer young, and it was totally different. It It'll keep yeah, changing. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I was just wondering. And that's okay, why, well, that's why it was corked and caged, mm-hmm. because the pressure would build, and it would pop that top off if it hadn't. Uh, but yeah, it would, it will com- it'll completely change. I had uh bigger and Bredder from brewery Omegang. I had that when it came out and I didn't, I didn't like it at all. I had a, I had a, a year old bottle and I thought I was floored by it. It had completely changed from what I remembered it. And I liked it versus not wanting to finish my glass of it. So it will change. And this beer, I think, I, I don't I don't know where this would go. I don't know where I would want it to go. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with the glass I have yeah. now. This is delicious. It is an ex- more expensive bottle. Um, it's worth sharing it with a friend. Like, I made sure, I'm like, nope, this is a podcast-only beer. Could you imagine you trying to drink the whole thing of this? I've had some nights. <laughs> Like, I would have brought that to the hotel room and just been like, all right, this is what I'm doing tonight. Watching some football and getting drunk. Talking about Mark Ruffalo. Talking about Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Like, I think he was a big surprise coming in uh, for this movie. When he's first seen, he's he's the doctor. He wants to help somebody, you know, this kid out. And then up, he knows he's trapped. And he starts wringing the hands. He's very nervous. And then he has that turn where he, like, mocks his own anger to test her out. And I'm like, yeah, okay. This is a different take on the Hulk than what we got previously from Ed Norton. Norton. He seems completely in control Mm -hmm. in that that first scene. Well, that's his secret, Sean. No, I know. But, like, that's the thing. Like, Paul said, he, like, wringing his hands. He's not nervous. He knows that whatever happens... He's going to wake up in another part of town if anything does happen. Like, he's just, like, trying to, like, I know it's nervous or maybe he's just puzzling it out. Like that, I think that it's whole, more him working it's it like out. His, it's a, I don't know if it's a nervous tick or just a thinking tick, but you see him constantly doing that, kind of hand, hand, hand wringing. And, man, then you get the invention of the, the bringing together the science boys. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, I can't imagine that. Any better? Yeah, with Norton. I, I, I think Mark Ruffalo and Robert Downey Jr. sell that relationship so much better. Like, because you have that moment when they're on the helicarrier and they're just kind of broing out over about science stuff. They're like, "Okay, I, I should have listened to this conversation because I'm not going to know what they're talking about." And I don't think Norton could have sold that. Yeah, I, and I think this is this is his big comeback. After having a brain tumor, too, Mark Ruffalo. Oh, I didn't know he had a brain tumor. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Um, I thought you were going to say after 13 going on 30. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Uh, yeah, he had like um, he had a like a dream where he had a brain tumor. And he went to two or three different doctors to get checked out. And the third doctor finally was like, no, yeah, you have a brain tumor. Uh, had the surgery to remove it and the thing that he was really worried about the most was complications from that (laughs) and he had to reteach himself how to speak and if you notice he kind of his one side of his mouth doesn't move as well and it looks like a little tight Hmm. um 
this because he had to reteach himself how to speak, and the one side of his face doesn't work as good. Well, guys, I gotta go because I gotta get Kate to a hospital right now because I've had dreams where she turns into a salt packet. <laughs> oh, that just means something, right? I, I don't know. That's, that's some like biblical stuff there, too, Paul. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Is your name a lot in the office? Oh. <laughs> nice. She, nice she turned back and turned into salt. Thank you. Yeah. No, I think it's just because she puts a lot of salt on everything that I have this dream, but. Maybe she has a thyroid problem, too, Paul. That's a thing. (laughs) That's why you put so much salt on You need the iodine. Love it. (laughs) She doesn't do it for the iodine. She does it with the non-iodine salt as well. Like My wife once made me a salty salad, and I turned that away. That was before we were married, too, and I was like, your wife made us a a very garlicky, what she called, what was it, vacation eggs. (laughs) Where she accidentally just like she dropped the she dropped the the garlic garlic powder, powder in the into the eggs. Yeah. It's good though. It's like it's like I crave vacation eggs every once in a while. I'm like let's uh, put yeah, some uh, garlic powder in there. Hey babe, take all your saltiness and mix it with some garlic and put it in my oh. eggs. Uh yeah, but I think Mark Ruffalo is he's he's great. I don't think Edward Norton would have fit with the rest of the group. Right. Yeah, um, and I think Edward I think. Yeah, no, and nothing against Ed Norton because I like him in pretty much everything he's in, but I can't see him being part of like an ensemble cast. And and understand what he's there for. Right. He he wants he he'd want to be the guy. No, I'm Bruce Banner. Like and step in front of the other actors where. Uh, Ruffalo is- Ruffalo is fine. He. He understands his character doesn't want to be in the limelight. He doesn't want to be up front. He just wants to get in, do his job, because he does feel like he needs to help, and then leave. And he's someone who keeps getting pulled in. But, uh, yeah, I think he's great. I I, I think every time he's on screen in all of these movies, he's worth it. Uh, Even in – I loved him. I loved him in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Especially, like, he keeps pulling on his pants. Like, he plays it really <laughs> crazy and weird. And I love, like, I love that. I like, uh, I think he has one of the best performances. I think Scarlett Johansson grows into that role more. Uh, and I think she's a little, little stiff throughout. I um, think she has a great introduction in that first scene and the scene where she plays off Loki. Maybe it's because she doesn't have much else to do in that movie that she comes off so stiff. What you were going to say something, Chris? No, I I think she does okay, but I think a lot of that is not just the character, but then also Scarlett Johansson. Because I really like her I, in I Cap both, Two, though. I think in they're Winter both just like so. Yeah, but what does she do in Winter Soldier that's so different from this? Because everything she always delivers is so just kind of like undercut by almost like just that sardonic attitude, like of the world. I think she has a more vulnerability because she explains about being shot by the winter soldier, by saving that she's a little more, I like she's a, a little more. more human where I think she was trying in this movie to play Russian super assassin. And then but I think at the she same, has same time. Maybe some of that was just like, okay, yeah, she is playing Russian super assassin. That's just out of her league at this point. 
I mean, yeah. like Russian super assassin in the pages or scenes of uh, Winter Soldier makes a lot more sense than like yeah. super assassin. Oh shit! There's aliens. When she's bartending for you know in Age of Ultron, so I had to bring that up again. Uh, you know, no, it's fine. Like that, that's what that's what this her, is for to look back her, at the movies yeah. through the the hindsight that we have now. Her, her and Bruce Banner, you know, that banter between those two characters, like there's a lot more emotion. And I, I think she's a lot less stilted in, in the movies upcoming. I feel like she's a little stilted now, you know, in this one. Look, like knowing where she will be as a character, it's like, oh, you know, I just was like, you're not there yet. It's just like looking back, watching it now, I was like, oh, she's not there yet. Uh, was anybody looking through the lens of those two, like with the, hey, they're going to hook up thing? With them, because they keep yeah. having little moments together, and I keep going, oh, hey, yeah, they're going to be, quote-unquote, not an item in the next movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, do, you get, do you guys uh, lament the passing of Phil Coulson in this movie at all? Because at the time, I mean, that's... You guys you know, what, at the time what? were like, no, Paul, he's definitely not dead. That was all a lie. Is the spot? And I'm like, well, if you don't kill him... It undercuts everything that just happened. But they, but at the same time, like they did kill him, and then it's over in mm-hmm. ABC's Agents of Shield, where he's back, and then we see just how far Shield, but then also Fury's willing to go. Yeah, the one thing that I did want to mention about Agents of Shield was I'm glad that they had a whole episode about the cellist. Yeah, because <laughs> she's mentioned like three times. I didn't realize she was mentioned so much during that Avengers movie, but it was like three different times. Three times, the yeah. Cellist. yeah. There's the cellist. Yeah, the cellist. Yeah, it's yeah. it's all Pepper passing. Potts, Pepper Potts, uh, Pepper mentions, Potts her. mentions it. Uh, she oh she had to move back to Portland. Yeah, uh, when they're getting on the elevator. And then Tony, when Tony's there, he mm-hmm. says, "Hey, anytime, double date. We'll take it. We'll fly you up to. Mm-hmm. We'll fly you up there." And then also, and then after he's dead, and Melissa, or what's her name, Melissa um, McCarthy, not Melissa, <laughs> not Melissa <laughs> I, don't, Hill. I don't even know who we're talking what's her about Hill? now. Uh, Coldly Smolders, Maria Hill, Maria Hill mentions. You know, did he have anybody? Well, there is that cellist. <laughs> Just you know, four times then. Okay, four times. Because cop, when Cap and Iron Man are talking, mm-hmm. Tony Stark, Tony Stark mentions, mm-hmm. did he have anyone? He's like, yeah, there was a cellist. I think that's okay, that's maybe. the scene you're thinking of. Maybe, yeah. Because yeah. the, the Colby Smolders was, was, those were in his locker, right? They weren't on him. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I this beer is really you know, good. We we do love Coulson just because he's kind of been the through line through all Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff up to this point. Uh, but I think Maria Hill, Kobe Smolders, kind of, I only knew her from How I Met Your Mother at this point, so seeing her as kind of that no-nonsense S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, I, I think she worked really well at that. She's good in those action scenes. Mm-hmm. She, she she delivers. She doesn't seem like somebody who would shy away from it or be, you know, like her uh, How I Met Your Mother character. She does a good job, I think. Uh. How, how I Met Your Mother character is a gun-toting, <laughs> crazy, crazy, uh, go, crazy no kind of kill some wolves with a just a little hunting knife. Well, she's Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just day-to-day life up there. We know that. We're from Buffalo. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think she did really well. And there was that little bit of thrill just 
in the the bottom of my heart seeing her come back at that tail end of Infinity War, you know, it's just passed over the summer where it's like, hey, she's around. Oh no, she's not. Okay, <laughs> but you know that that does give me hope that maybe they can still circle back onto this character in something like Captain Marvel. Again, I don't know. Maybe maybe they've hinted towards her. I don't know. I've done really good, guys. I'm proud of myself for not looking into Captain Marvel stuff. All right, Chris, I need you to take your headphones off or something for uh, a couple okay. seconds here. Uh, because it's... I did want to talk about Phil Coulson. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, yeah. Let, let, okay, let I'm me, looking at my clock say, right okay. now. It's nine. It's 925 on my clock. How long do you need? Give me until 928. Okay. I, I will right. be off. Ready? I Go. Will be off. Go. All right. Because Phil Coulson... No, it's like geeking out so much about meeting Captain, Captain America. America. Like I, I want to see him as a really green agent in Captain Marvel. Like I want to see him like and is he kinda, gonna, like kind of losing his mind over freaking aliens? How, how, cool, how cool is this, Captain Marvel? Like who's this woman? She can do what now? I wonder if he's the reason she goes blue and red for her suit versus the blue and green. Oh. Captain America asks. He was like, "You're hey. a captain." We, there's another Captain. Maybe he coins the term Captain Marvel. Maybe. You never know. Because he thanks some... for bringing this up. Now I thought about it. Hopefully Chris is listening, and we've ruined it for him. <laughs> well, the whole thing is the reason there's a suit. This is you know, and he's like, yeah, I actually had a hand in the designs as well. He mentions it there, so maybe you're on to the right point. Yeah. Maybe she goes blue because she's got the star. She's mm-hmm. got the the blue and red. Yeah, maybe maybe, 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 maybe. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that all kind of ties together. I think he's Marvel is smart green. enough to do that. And we still got a couple more seconds here, so let's just talk about Chris's birthday. <laughs> you know? Well, I hope he had a nice one. <laughs> I know his present got stolen off his porch. He got so. stolen off his porch. I have uh, I have a lot of I have some uh, a lot of beer. I was going to mail him. Mm-hmm. I also uh, I have a Ellicottville hat from Ellicottville Brewery. I was going to give him. Okay. He likes his hats. He does like his hats. He wears them backwards sometimes. Hey, he's a crazy man. That's a crazy <laughs> thing to do. But, uh, man, we still have a lot more time. I am horrible at telling how much time I will take on things. But uh, maybe Chris will be back. Oh. He's not going to be. So let's just keep talking about... Uh, this beer. Yeah, this beer. <laughs> the beer's really good. I like it a lot. Uh, it really grows on you. It's definitely something I would... I keep... I don't want to keep guzzling it because it goes down so easy. And I want to I keep, keep on wanting to take another pull. I, I do. I keep wanting to take another sip. It's it's that good, uh, man. I'm glad we had a sour night because you know sour night's great. I brought up two barrel aged stouts to because I wasn't sure what we were gonna do. I made sure that I brought. I was feeling like really iffy about this uh, fresh IPAs. That's why I brought them to the Oktoberfest. Yeah. Oh, the and sours I bought right them for the Oktoberfest. Yeah, because it's a long week away. But I'm like sours. I have to save. And so. for those of you that don't know, every year I do an October. Hey, I'm back. Chris should be back. Oh, right. yeah, Chris is I'm back. back. We, we, we ran out of things you to say it? about a minute. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Sorry. I'll try not to listen to this episode. All right. Well, don't listen to that uh-huh. part. We tell you on the show when not to listen, so you should do the same thing. Yeah, and then I, just wait uh, three minutes. It's, it's different if you're in the car. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else we need to move into, but I, I'm ready for power rankings. I don't know about you guys. Okay. The only other thing I can say about this movie is, man, I do agree with uh, Chris Helmsworth. 
being like, yeah, Thor's dialogue really stupid. Like Thor Ragnarok, yeah, fresh air all around for that character. I think I think it just took it took uh, yeah, and Loki being so like Loki's so different after this movie. Every time you see him, yeah, because they realize that they work better together mm-hmm. than being then. And plus, nobody wants to see Loki. Loki as the bad guy because he was so bizarrely. But that's it. Like everyone likes Loki. Like even though he is the bad guy, like there's just something so likable about Loki. And I think that's just Tom Hiddleston. Because also Tom Hiddleston and um, what's his Taylor Swift were dating for just a little while. No, no, (laughs) no. I'm sure that's what I was going to mention. But thank you. You're welcome. Uh, but him and um, I'm always here for your Taylor Swift fact. Him and I'm a Swifty. Him and Thor became they're like Chris Helmsworth. Chris Helmsworth. They're like best friends. Um, uh, Tom Hiddleston goes home with him. Like they go back to Australia to yeah, they for do. holidays. Like they're 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 best friends. They're like brothers. They're like brothers. If he didn't they're like have, adopted brothers. If he didn't have so many brothers, you would think oh. It's because he doesn't have any brothers, but he has there's brothers. Chris, he must just not like them and Liam, just like Tom Hiddleston better. Um, which sidebar? Well, they, uh, this this was announced like uh, maybe two, three weeks ago. Now uh, we didn't actually talk about it on the show. Did you see where for Disney's streaming service they were going to have uh, a limited series based off of Loki and Scarlet Witch? But for those roles, we have Tom Hiddleston and Elizabeth Olsen coming back. I did like, not see that. I can okay, imagine your silence. Maybe I think you know. I I can imagine Tom Hiddleston really enjoys playing Loki. Oh, well, he even I, came out. Back and, yeah, if you look at the San Diego Comic Con footage of him as yeah. Loki on stage, they're like you can tell he's eating it up. Like he's he's right. having a ball with that. Say my name. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and that's what I'm saying. I think the reason why this universe works is because all the actors really enjoy being part of it and when things aren't working like thor they're like okay let's ragnarok this and yeah. they, they do something different well it's even like when chris evans had that when he finished filming avengers 4 and had that tearful like hey i, it's I didn't my- read that. i'm trying to i'm trying to chris roy avengers 4. <laughs> but he did, he just came out to say like hey this has been so many years in the mm-hmm. making uh, emotionally drained, blah blah blah, saying goodbye, and people said, "Oh, that's it. He's done with. He's done. He's done being Captain America." And Chris Evans had to come back, be like, I- "I'm not done. It was just that was the end of the movie. I was saying goodbye to the movie. I still want to play Captain America." Because <laughs> he even said a few years ago, he did some he- really dorky Captain America stuff in that. Uh- Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Oh my god. Where he even backwards sits on a chair. I'm like, come on, man. (laughs) It was meant to be that. (laughs) So So you thought I was done with Captain America. (laughs) But I think all of those characters are going to have a hard time to say say goodbye. And and I don't think anybody's ready, except maybe Studio Marvel, to say goodbye to those characters. Uh, But But that's the thing. I feel like so many cameos. I feel like Studio Marvel does not want to ever have to say goodbye to any of these people because not only just from the fan standpoint, they've all done so well at that role. You know, there might have been some bumps along the way, 
but everyone just they they nail it. I, I don't think you know Disney or Marvel wants to say goodbye to anybody, you know, barring the contracts and then just people being like, okay, well, this is what I'm signed on for. I want to move along and try something different. I think if they had the the ability to, like, they would just keep everyone there doing these movies forever. But that's that's unfortunately not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to say I don't want to say goodbye to any of these characters or any of the actors playing these characters because they embody those characters. Mm-hmm. If you said that they were gonna restart. You know, if if Avengers Four is the last time we're going to have Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, if the whole rumors of like tr- the time warpy, timey wimey stuff is going to happen, and they are going to, they're going to get yeah. But, uh, but, but I don't anyone dying or being like erased from existence. We do have the ability for them maybe to have cameos further down the road. Yeah. Like they could, they could still pop up here and there and. We've even gotten some cameos of those characters in, in other movies, like Captain America in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Like that was that was a lot of fun, and I wouldn't hate seeing that down the road. I might miss having Chris Evans as Captain America after Avengers Four, but if he's still present, it'd be nice to have him acknowledged in some way. I don't think he uh, will, but you know, who knows. And but uh, I mean, where I was going to go with it is five years from now, if Avengers Four is the last Tony Stark, uh, Robert Downey Jr., I don't know who you can put into that role and get me to go. Okay, Iron Man. Like it just, I don't know if there's any, if there's anybody who I would be like, okay, that guy can fill his shoes. But at he, that point, I I think we're. To comic book this, we're so far into, you know, Tony Stark being Iron Man. I think they could introduce somebody to step into a different role. I mean, maybe we just happen to get more of Rhodey as War Machine, and then we get the War Machine movie that's kind of picking up that, like, hey, I'm the tech-based hero in the world. And then, you know, maybe they go into Ironheart or someone else. I mean, see, I, 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 I would problem. miss it, but... I think they have ways to kind of lessen that that hurt. I have no problem with uh, someone else coming in and and being an Iron Man character, but not being Tony Tony Stark. Stark. I'm just saying, you can't reboot the series with somebody new because I don't think they can ever fill Robert Downey Jr.'s shoes as as Tony Stark. You're saying Tony Stark is not James Bond. Yes. He can't recast Tony Stark. He's not Superman. Right. You know, yeah. Superman I, I, I recast several times. I don't see them doing that until these movies stop doing a billion dollars at the box office and then mm-hmm. they, they start fresh. They just wipe everything. I think with Nick Cage. As long as yeah, I think as long as we have the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe as we know it, before it like reverts to some other random Chinese company because they're going to wind up buying up everything. We're going to have, okay, Tony Stark is Iron Man. Now he's gone. We're going this way. I, I think they're going to keep it consistent. And if they do some sort of cinematic like 
kung fu with it where it's like, no, now he's a race from existence, but it's this person is Iron Man. They would have to do a really, really, really good job to have everyone on board with it because Robert Downey Jr., he is Tony Stark. He is Iron Man. He, he told totally, me that at the end of the first movie, and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, he absolutely embodies him. I mean, again, San Diego Comic-Con, when he comes out with the one Iron, fan, Iron Man arm on, and he's shining it at every people, and then he goes up on stage, like, he he is he is Tony Stark. He is Iron Man. Yes, you can have if they did if they did something where um, Black Panther's sister, she's Iron Man. She gets the suit. She but. gets the suit. I could see that because she's not Tony Stark. <laughs> to me, you can't recast Tony Stark. I think I would be fine with a recasting of Steve Rogers. I think I'd be fine with a recast... I've been fine with a recasting of uh, Hulk. Hulk, yeah. You know, but I think there's just... There's no... I, there's I no recasting the, that Tony Stark. I think the recasting Except for of 10 years... Maybe 10 years from now. The recasting of Hulk, I think, came at the right point. Like, we had one movie with Ed Norton as Bruce Banner. I think if he had been in Avengers and people weren't happy about it and then we had gotten a secondary Hulk in Infinity or not Infinity War I'm sorry uh, Age of Ultron we would have had a completely different viewpoint on Bruce Banner in the cinematic universe I think I think they did it at just like the right moment in cinematic history to make sense I think at this point we've had so much Chris Evans as Steve Rogers if they do a Okay, well now, I was going to try to think of an actor. I'm coming, I'm coming up with a nobody, so whatever, moving past it. If they have someone else as Steve Rogers, it would work, because we've had, at this point, eight years of someone else being Steve Rogers. It doesn't work. I think if they move into having Sebastian Stan as Bucky as Captain America, okay, like we have that kind of plot thread moving through it. That were if we have someone else pick up the shield, I don't know who it would be, but I, I'm yeah. okay with where they would go with that. And it, I mean, if you think even about like the Spider Man that we've gotten, <laughs> we've we've enjoyed each time that new person has. Oh yeah, I can see this. This yeah. he he does a good job. He does a good job. But again, like you had the span of those movies, you haven't had as long as you've had with. Like yeah. you said, even Steve Rogers. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. Um, or those those characters have been. You can see somebody else evolving into the mantle, but the character. Yeah, it's always harder to see that. Uh, guys, talking about uh, Spider Man, I have, I have a confession to make. I almost saw Venom today, <laughs> but I, but I on your birthday. Oh, I almost did. I was by a movie theater, and I was like, I kind of want to see it, but everything I've heard makes me not want to see it, but I have the day free. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I love you guys too much. I, I couldn't I, do I, it. I still haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, so I can't Whoa. say anything about anybody's movie-going uh, prowess. Yeah, uh, but then again, Ant-Man and the Wasp, that's available, like, I owned it. <laughs> that's available on digital now, I think. I don't know when it comes out on DVD, but 
Yeah, I'll probably buy it on DVD and then watch it. Hey, I mean, for three weeks, three weeks in a row, Venom was number one movie in the theaters. Uh, only this week, it w- this, this weekend, it was stopped by Halloween. Oh. Which, have you seen that yet, John? We didn't talk about this before. I have not yet. I'm I, looking for- I really want to see that. I know. I got to. I don't have anyone to go see it with. <laughs> Take your pregnant wife. Babies love, she babies love Halloween. She doesn't like horror movies. Oh. It's hard to get her to see anything that's suspenseful. Uh, but Just tell her it's an extended Activia. <laughs> uh, if you find... If you find... The times... <laughs> the span of our different shows... We're Oh, we got a power rank still. I was oh, gonna power, push it up. power ranking. Okay, Paul, go uh, pee. I'll power rank. Yeah. Well, hold on. We we could talk more about Halloween while Paul's peeing. Yeah. I know that there was some Halloween talk last episode, but you know, you can never have too much John Carpenter talk. Uh, from what I've heard, um, I guess it's a lot. There's a lot of humor in it, and that really helps make the movie. You really feel the um, oh, what's his name, Danny McBride, uh, in the movie. There is a, a lot of good humor to it. There's also a really good podcast um, that uh, this film critic put together, and it's called Halloween Unmasked. Mm-hmm. It's like an eight-part series, and she goes through everything about the original John Carpenter Halloween, the first one. She does deal and talk with the other ones, but it's a really good podcast, and she has actual interviews with Jamie Lee Curtis with all the people who helped produce the movie uh, with John Carpenter, who is known for not giving interviews. Um, But she actually sits down with him one-on-one and goes through his personal history um, growing up and what got him to create the series. It's a really good uh, podcast called Mm. Halloween Unmasked. Interesting. Yeah. Sounds cool. I'm guessing Paul's not back yet. He's he's walking in right now. He's walking in now. And I'm going to pull up our uh Okay. Well, on our one doc, uh, it has all of our I, rankings. I got my rankings right here. I do have the doc ready to go. So mm-hmm. up until now, my ranking is Iron Man 2, then Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and then Incredible Hulk. Paul's is Iron Man. Captain America, Thor, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk. Mine's exactly the same as Paul's. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk. Uh, I don't know if you guys need a little bit more time. I've already put mine. I've already put mine in there. But up until this point, I think Avengers is the best Marvel movie because it it does everything all the previous ones did, but bigger. Like I talked about this before. And we didn't really hit on it on the show, but after we saw Avengers, Paul's biggest complaint was, I think the battle scene at the end went on too long. And John and I were like, what? That's that's what you go to the movie see. You want to see the Avengers fighting the aliens. And like the biggest complaint about a lot of superhero movies is the fact that as soon as the climax starts, it's like, oh, okay, they're fighting. Oh, it's over. Oh, all right. Avengers does have like a worthwhile climax sequence where it's not just the Avengers fighting something, but then you do get more of that character kind of woven into it. 
um, especially with something like Steve Rogers when he's in the bank or whatever, fighting against like the random charity that throws a grenade at him, and he's like, "Nope, I got this, guys." So much of that I think adds into this movie. Uh, oh, so can Paul, I mention something real quick about that yeah, scene? Yeah, you that can about it being waitress. Remember mm-hmm. how everybody was losing their minds after the movie came out? Like, who is she? Is she going to be somebody? She's never shown up again. <laughs> well, she was she was in an earlier cut scene. Yeah. So before he gets recruited, there was a scene of him in a coffee shop, mm. and she waits on him. And I think they kind of have had a flirtatious moment. Yeah. So that's why she still they couldn't cut the rest of her moments really out. <laughs> Like they still yeah. add it and up. she shows up on uh, internet's uh, tabletop and plays some games with Joss Whedon. And that's well, yeah, all she I've was also it. she was from Growing Pains, right? I have no it's idea. a girl from Growing Pains. She was. I, I don't know that, but yeah, yeah, but that was the moment, like because she's serving Steve Rogers at a cafe, and she's like, "Oh, we have Wi-Fi." He's like, "You mean radio?" <laughs> and that's that, and that's the scene. It's cute. Um, but, and I, I I I have to speak on this too. The movie builds up to that fight scene. If that fight scene, I think, was any shorter, you would feel cheated. I think it's that like fight thirty five minutes. Yeah, you need that. Yeah, you want a, it's that. Avengers. This you is the want sixth them movie. Having that, that the whole movie's building up to this fight, and Paul, you have the fight. Paul, this, this is the sixth movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you get the yeah. Avengers together and the fight's over in thirty seconds, what's the point of having an Avengers movie? And I have to say, I'm just it saying. still gets me every time. You know, puny, puny God. Call it, call it, Cap. You do this. We need you doing this. You do this, and Hulk, smash! smash. I love that scene. Yeah, it's so good. That that That's moment it. where like the camera like circles around them as like they're all getting ready to fight the mm-hmm. the Chichari. I've seen that movie like so many times. As soon as that scene pops up, like I still get that thrill in my heart. Is like. Oh god, this is coming! Like this is about to happen. If the Chitari were all like guarding the the you know portal generator, and they were like working their way through it, like that would make more sense to me, you know, story wise. But honestly, the whole fight, they need to shut down that portal. But and they don't doing... need that. They know to do that. No, they, they know, know that. they need to do it, but they, they started. Iron <laughs> Man the told them the smartest guy on the team was like, "Hey, it's got a force field. We just need to stop them." There's no stopping. They keep on coming through. They know they're going to keep on through. I know they they're going to fight until the, the bitter end. They're going to fight. Captain America has been sh- been grenaded out of a building, crushes a car. <laughs> Thor has been stabbed in the stomach and is still fighting. The Hulk at that last moment is being berated with the whole army around him shooting him up like you have these moments Mm -hmm. hawkeye he's out of arrows (laughs) another arrowhead though or maybe more because he takes an arrow but it's like these guys they they they've hit that point where they can't just keep fighting uh and i know one thing about captain america move in in these movies and that is that he can he can do this all day do all day uh so what are you saying? You need to get these people out of the building, into the basements, or the subways. You need to get a perimeter. Who are you? They kills three. Each kills three monsters. We need to get a. We need a. <laughs> I, need, I need a perimeter all the way here back to Thirty Eighth Street. It's uh, a great moment. Uh, <laughs> Power ranking. There you are can, good movements. You moments can, in the fight, but the fight needs. Is to, this where we change? 
Avengers is number one on my list. That is where we change. Wow. Okay. So, Paul, because I listed before, I don't know if you're back yet. I forget because a little bit. Uh, your list was Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man 2, then Hulk. And I, what I do is I, I put up, like, movie. I, I, what I do to make the power rankings is go through my list. I'm like, okay, uh, Avengers. Would I rather watch Avengers or Iron Man? I'd rather watch Iron Man. Oh, I would. would I rather watch Captain America First Avengers or Avengers? Captain America First wow, Avengers. Really? Would I yeah, would it's, I rather it's watch not Thor? A great movie. Would I rather watch Thor or Avengers? I'd rather watch Avengers. So that's where it ends up in my list. Okay, so right Paul, there. your your new list is Iron Man, then Captain, Captain America, America, then Avengers, then Thor. Yep. Okay. I mean, it's it's still not a bad list. I mean, those Chris, are you just, all... Chris, you just wrote Iron Man over Iron Man. Well, he's going to delete... Yeah, he's going to write Captain America there, and then he's going to delete out... But why wouldn't out. you just scroll down to... Because, because I can't, it'll... because oh, the way you yeah. formatted it. The way I had it yes. before, I could, John, and then you changed it. Well, it was all askew. No, it works, because... Because I could, I could just tape it in. And if you find... <laughs> If you find how we erratically post episodes uh, <laughs> askewing, uh, find us over on Facebook. Let us know. And I was going to put this out there. Hey, if you want to come to my Oktoberfest <laughs> next year in October, uh, let me know and I'll invite you. I won't pay for you to come there. You have to find your own way to get there. Mm-hmm. You, will be invited. <laughs> you can hang out with Paul and myself. Hey, one year I got blackout drunk. I was surprised that it was nighttime. You mean I was surprised year? that I'm out of the beer that I brought. <laughs> Paul did have a moment. He brought a bunch of beer. He drank all the beer. I shared all that. He beer. Sh- we, okay. we we shared it, but you did drink all the beer. Yeah, we, yeah. and I then Paul came up to beer. me and went, "Hey, where's the rest of my beer that I brought?" And it's like you drank it all. And then he went, "I did," and it's like, "Hey." I have this super rare bourbon aged so uh, stout. And he said, do you want me to open it? And he said, okay. So I opened it and I poured him a glass and he took two sips and goes, I'm going home. He wanted to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but a good husband. Yeah. Other people were happy that I shared that beer with them. I was very happy that I got to taste that beer. It was a uh, dark Lord, dark Lord. Uh, it's but good. anyways, you but am I powering you know, beer? KBS, I think it's better than Dark Lord. Hmm. Hmm. I still can't get a uh, better half down here. I I checked again today. It doesn't Ooh. exist. Oh, all right. Well, I'll send you. I'll send you some in that package. I was going to send. Don't. You. I won't get it. We talked. Some- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to send it through the post office. No, I I won't send beer through the post office. I won't do it. Send us your rating reviews over on iTunes. We do enjoy reading those. We haven't gotten any in a while. Uh, It does help people find the show if you rate and review us. So, hey, do that and then thank you. Also, make sure you you find a cell phone. Just download us on the people's cell phones that you find around. If they keep it unlocked, just... You know who loves our podcast? Grandmas. Put it on your grandma's phone. Grandmas love us. Uh, rate and review us, do that follow us over on all the other stuff we do we're on Facebook, we're on the Instagram uh, check out the show notes over at pagreport.com I'm making a renewed 
efforts to keep that supported. So yeah, please do all those things.